All right, guys, we have a very special announcement. It's official. The Bases Loaded Pod is joining the Roto Baller Radio Podcast Network. A little bit about Roto Baller. Since 2013, Roto Baller has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy addicts their fix with player news and cutting edge fantasy analysis. If you didn't know, Roto Baller's 2020 MLB draft kit is already live. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools, including printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points, head-to-head, dynasty, roto, AL only, NL only, you name it, they've got it. Roto Baller's premium draft kit includes exclusive access to 15 draft tools. These draft tools include printable cheat sheets for every single possible league type. I'm talking mixed leagues, points leagues, head-to-head, roto, dynasty, AL or NL only, you name it, they've got it. They also offer rankings and projections from the number one most accurate industry expert, Nick Mariano. Not to mention access to their exclusive rankings wizard. Like I said, there's 15. Those are just three. So there's so much more to check out. For a limited time, get your MLB premium pass for 50% off. But wait, it does actually get better. Right now, you can get an additional 10% off if you use promo code BASESLOADED. Just visit rotoballer.com slash BASESLOADED to sign up for your premium pass today so you can dominate your leagues tomorrow. Is loaded and one out. Oh Martin my god, deep to right field, way up there, and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slash. Hello, and welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast, and I'm your host, Mike Curlin. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. And tonight, I have two guests. First one is Corey Ott. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey5Ott. Corey, what's going on, man? Not much. How are you doing, Mike? Fantastic. And Corey's just, I guess, get, getting his rounds in. He's he's a regular on uh, Turn 2 Podcast, him and Matt Williams now. And then, of course, now I'm bothering him to come on. But it's because we have another very special guest. It's actually one of his close friends, and it's because of Corey I was able to get him on. We're kind of going to be doing a completely different type of topic. I'm intrigued. I hope everybody else finds it just as interesting. This is actually Riley Robbins. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach underscore Riley R. He's a baseball coach and mental skills coach. You have a master's in applied sports psychology. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. And welcome to the show, man. Appreciate so, it. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. I told you this. I've been excited. Like, I got a smile on my face because this is kind of, like I said, a little different. We'll talk base. It's going to be about more baseball than fantasy baseball. Right. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do as far as you as in the listener because what we're going to do is essentially talk about how – what you study goes into baseball as a whole. Maybe how you look at players, maybe how maybe how it helps players. A whole bunch of stuff, pretty, pretty much the intangibles that we can't put numbers to. I think that's very, very important in today's game and doesn't get enough attention. So just give, give a little bit of background into exactly what you studied, what you have your master's in, and we'll go from there, man. Yeah, so first of all, thanks, Corey, for making the connection. Uh, so for... All of you who are probably not that interested, Corey and I met at Adams State uh, University down in Alamosa, Colorado. Uh, him coming from the Midwest, myself coming from the mountain region here in Colorado. And uh, we made a pretty nasty double play duo for a couple of years before we both uh, you know, sort of wrapped up our playing career. And then after that, I decided that, well, I have a, well, actually, let me rewind a little bit. What actually happened was I was getting a bachelor's degree, and the way it lined up is that I was going to have an extra year of eligibility to play baseball. And I was like, well, I'm not going to drag my feet and, you know, take 
three classes a semester down in this in this hellhole that is Alamosa, Colorado, which I say that with a loving tone. But so what I my my advisor, Dr. Brian Zulegger, he actually recommended that I go ahead and get a master's degree in sports psychology since he said, you know, I showed a little bit of promise in the field. And I took it head on and took on a lot of projects and really fell in love with what it is and what I do. And so to give everyone sort of a background on what it is exactly I do. So I call myself a mental skills coach. Um, You might hear other similar professionals called a mental conditioning coach, just a plain mental coach, a sports psychologist. I can't call myself a sports psychologist technically because in the state of Colorado, you must be a licensed board psychologist to call yourself one. So I cannot do that. Uh, What I do is I help people achieve peak performance. Or a better way of putting it is I help people who aspire to reach their peak or reach their potential, and I, I help them along the way and help them along with the journey. So that's that, seems really, very, that seems very that's modest. <laughs> I was going to say, there you go. That's just, you know, it's, it goes way deeper into that because the information you gave me to look at and kind of read, I was like, blow, like, I, like I said, I wrote down like 15,000 questions. I'm exaggerating. It's like 10. But ultimately, I mean, I don't, how did you, what made you even want to go into this field in the first place? Honestly, I kind of fell backwards into it i love nothing more than sports um i played you know football basketball baseball run run track even a couple years growing up ultimately i loved baseball and what really intrigued me more than anything was the mental side of the game i mean there's that old what's that yogi Berra quote you know not, you know baseball's 90 percent mental and the other half is physical or something like that 90 percent physical the other half is mental whatever it is i know i'm gonna screw it up at, at one point but there's so many different variations of it rolling around the internet but I, I really took it to heart i'm like yeah baseball is really mental and if i want to get better at it i need to sort of you know master this myself and as it turns out the more and more i learn the less and less i realize i know the more i see more experienced practitioners in the field work the more i'm just blown away at, at the powerful messages that they can get across in such succinct words and honestly what ended up really making me fall in love with it is when i first started working in grad school with some of the athletes at adam state and having a couple of them come back and just say hey man like i want more of what you're giving me because this is really really helping me it might not be showing up in the performance in the field but like i sleep better at night like i i live with myself better than i normally do um i feel just better about myself and and the way that i i live my life so that was really what helped me fall in love with it and then since then you know i've i've really gotten into the just plain baseball coaching which that's originally what i wanted to do to begin with and i figured sports psychology would be a good way to you know segue into that uh, it would give me a lot of skills that would help me relate with players and help them achieve what they could you know, only dream to achieve. And I've fallen into a really good situation where I'm at now. Um, I'm actually at a Colorado Academy here in, in Southwest Denver, which is a, a private school. It's a 3A high school, which uh, in Colorado, we have up to five classifications. So it's right there in the middle. They, they made a state playoff appearance last year. And so I was really, really lucky to be able to slide in as the head varsity assistant. Um, and we, we run a lot of mental skill stuff now, which is something that they've never done in the past. And I've got a really great group, group of guys who are really receptive to it. Um, last year, and you you kind of brought them from you know up from the bottom too, didn't you? Well, so that's what I was getting to. Is last year I was actually at Abraham Lincoln High School, which is an inner city school here in Denver, um, and they they had we had a group of seniors. We only had I think twelve kids total. We didn't have a JV team. We didn't have anything, but we had seven or eight seniors who were just absolute studs and absolute phenoms and we ended up going 18 and 0 in the in the conference and winning the the city of denver title for the first time in 40 years at that school and for those of you who aren't familiar with denver in the area abraham lincoln high school is a you know 95 percent hispanic high school and the fact we were able to send you know the majority of those seniors off to college was a gigantic win in itself 
Um, so really, I, I learned a lot of life lessons there. I learned a lot about sports psychology as it relates to a more diverse crowd last year. And then, like I said, this year I'm at a private school, so it's a total 180. Um, but I'm able to sort of spread my wings a little bit more as far as the mental skill side of things go. How surprising is it that kid, we've all been seniors, we've all been kids. Heck, I'm still a kid if you ask my wife. How, how surprising is it, seriously, uh, that these kids seem to be so receptive to your teachings? Because, again, to take that type of coaching, it's almost like a life coach in a sense without so many words. And right. a lot of that, a lot of that, you know, either a, some people, some kids lack a father figure. So they might be really, really pushing, pushing back about, you know, from a grown man telling them or trying to suggest things to be better or be just in general. No, you're not my dad. <laughs> like right. there's the, there's like different ways of looking at it. I'm just curious how, like, how, you really haven't had much pushback. It sounds like you've had quite, quite a bit of success with these kids so far. So the reason I've had much pushback is because I don't push it when I can feel the pushback coming. And I, and I think that with today's younger generation coming up, they've got such instant gratification, you know, at, at the touch of their fingertips with the cell phones and, and instant on-demand video and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, instant communication between friends that the moment you start to try to make them do something they don't want to do, they're going to push back and they're going to resent. And I, I guess when I say there wasn't much pushback, you know, there, there's a couple kids and there's a couple times where we, butt, you know, we butt heads a little bit and we didn't see eye to eye exactly on certain things, and especially last year at, uh, at Lincoln High School in the inner city, you know, they, they realize that there's not a huge age gap between myself and them. And, you know, that the ideas don't necessarily jive, but all I can really do is try and build the relationships. And then from the relationships, you know, things grow. And that's really, really what I, what I do. That makes a lot of sense. And I don't know if you're allowed to share this or not, but it's on, it's on here to ask. So in, I guess in general, how do you go about applying the teachings to players and maybe your fellow coaches as well? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think at the beginning of things, it's just really building relationships. Like I said, if you don't have a strong relationship with somebody, they're not going to take too much advice from you unless you've got just ridiculous qualifications, um, which I, I didn't necessarily have coming in. Um, so I would say that what I'd like to do with players is I like to evaluate. And when I evaluate, it's a pretty informal process for the most part, since I am so ingrained in the team, you know, I'm on the field with them every single day. I'm in the weight room with them. I'm, you know, on the buses with them. So I like to evaluate kind of what they know, um, what they know about themselves. And then from there, I sort of will tailor almost individual approaches to each, each player so that they can get the most out of what I know. Cause that's really, I mean, I can't teach them anything I don't know. And I can't teach them stuff that they already know. So first step, find out what they know, more so find out what they don't know. And that's through speaking with them. It's through watching them interact with other people. It's through hearing stories about them from other coaches and other players. And then from there, we sort of, we, we work. Sounds good. And you mentioned that sometimes the teachings don't necessarily show itself on the field, but you definitely get the feedback from the kids or other right. people that just tell you, hey, you know, I'm performing this way or better in certain aspects in general. But is it like, have you seen it actually translate to the field as well? I'm, I'm assuming you have. Yes. And yes. I can only imagine because we hear about players all the time. Heck, Giolito, wasn't he one of them that had sleep issues a lot, two years ago? And then last year he came in and got yeah. that all fixed. And yes. it just goes to show you just something as simple as sleeping better or sleeping, you know, on a pattern yeah. has that type of effect. But every everything in performance and especially at elite performance, I think everything matters. I think if you discount one thing, you're, you're, you're doomed to fail. I think you have to really explore every single avenue because especially at the top level with guys like Giolito, um, there's a few guys that I'm sure I'll name drop later as we talk about, you know, my sort of uh, fantasy prospects. Um, those guys, if it's going to get them 0.5% better, they're going to go for it. 
because you know in a game of margins, you know every single leg up you can get is super important. Hey Riley, who has yeah. Lucas Giolito in our league again? Well, not me anymore. Yeah, <laughs> anymore. Uh, I, think, I think my brother and I both had him at different points before he decided <laughs> to tag him. So good on you for that. <laughs> Sounds like a humble brag. You play well, mental games. You're playing mental games bit. with the mental guy. I see he how has, this is. He has monumental victories over me, so I have to take the little ones. <laughs> He finally got one of those post-hype guys before I could. <laughs> finally, there you go. See, there's going to be some fantasy-related topics too, but we're just talking about the mm-hmm. background because this is you very intriguing. Time. So as a coach, do you utilize these teaching for your, your players? Yeah, we talked about that. Damn, see, that's why I told you I'm going to mess up this whole thing. That's okay. It's time. So, but I can answer a little bit with the uh, with the coaches and stuff too, if you like. Yeah. Yeah, so, so my program, well, first let me sort of talk a little bit about like the different I guess, philosophies among sports psychologists or sports psychology professionals. And there's a lot of people who have sort of a, a clinical counseling background, and then they sort of get into sports after the fact. My deal is just like, I have a bachelor's in sports psychology. I have a master's in applied sports psychology. So I am all about like on the field, you know, performance solutions and all that sort of stuff. And then it sort of leaks into real life. Whereas in my opinion, uh, clinical counselors a lot of times deal with what's going on off the field, and it sort of helps stabilize people's lives and so that they can perform better on the field, if that sort of makes sense. So my, my program at Adams State, uh, Brian Zuleger, like I said, he, he's fortunate enough to have some really you know smart and well-connected mentors as well that I've gotten to, to pick their brains a little bit. Um, he's, he's coached for uh, USA Track and Field, um, and he's really big on the whole coach development and coach education. So that's going to be some of what I'll talk about later in, in regards to fantasy prospects and, you know, picking people out um, is, is the coach development part of it. Um, but really what I have a background in is sports in general. Now it's performance on the player side, it's coaching on the coach's side, and it's really sociology of sport, it's psychology of sport, it's all that stuff. Um, and as far as coaches go, um, people that I've worked with so far have been a little bit older than me, a little bit more experienced and more sage than I. So I, I try not to, like I said, shove stuff down their throat and I try to pick up as many things as I can from them. But really at the end of the day, I've worked with a number of assistant coaches as well that are around my age and have similar, you know, baseball experiences to me. So I'm able to sort of, if I'm able to help groom them as I groom myself, then I think that's really where the value lies. You know, a lot of these guys who've been coaching for 20, 30 years, you know, they, they don't, they don't listen to a 24 year old kid coming in fresh out of college with all these cockamamie ideas. So, yeah. So Riley, you've been um, working with Kevin Kuzman off, as I understand it, um, former third baseman for the Rockies and many other teams. And I think he coaches for Metro state in Denver. Does he still coach for Metro? So I, I should say that him and I at this point have sort of a, a loose relationship. You know, we've only had maybe a handful of conversations. Um, mm-hmm. he actually, I, I believe he, he lives with the, the guy who is the head coach of the program that I'm at now. And he helps coach at the, at the facility that I help do mental skills sessions through, which is Catalyst Sports here in Golden, Colorado. Well, shout out to them. They're a phenomenal place. If anyone in the area is looking for some good training, absolute encyclopedias of human beings over there. Um, but yeah, uh, so Kevin Kuzminoff coaches for the A's now. Um, unfortunately, not right now, but that's what he was doing last season. He was riding the bus around Arizona all, uh, all last summer and spring. Awesome. Awesome. What have you learned from, uh, from Kevin? Have you picked up anything from him over the, the time you've been able to work with him? 
Kevin is one of those guys that seems to be incredibly, incredibly self-aware of, of himself and what really made him tick throughout his career. He's one of those guys who seems like a, like a real student of his own game, not just a student of the game. Um, and that's sort of what I really enjoy about getting to work with guys like him and guys who have, you know, advanced up to, to play at really high levels is they're so in tune with their own personal process and what made them great and what is going to continue to make them great. And those guys have a ridiculous hunger, a ridiculous work ethic to continue getting better every single day. That is, that's very interesting to hear. And I'm kind of circling back to some of the things you just previously mentioned. And first off, I've really got to ask because I know my profession, sometimes dealing with kids are easier than adults. When you deal with the coaches, like, like, like you said, you mentioned some of the coaches are harder to deal with. Do you feel that's actually tougher to deal with the coaches more so than the kids in some aspects? Yeah, there's, there's maybe maybe a couple that I just haven't really seen super eye to eye with. Um, that doesn't mean I dislike them as people by any means. Um, but yeah, I, I would say there's there's not many people I don't get along with, period. And Corey yeah. can kind of attest to that. But coaches you'll find have very, especially when they've been doing it for a long time, they have very mm. strong personalities. And that I mean, I've, I've been really lucky that the, the two, well, I guess the, the three guys have coached at uh, three different varsity programs now. The, the heads of all those programs have all been incredibly strong and incredibly giving mentors to me. And I couldn't have asked for better people to work for, to be honest with you. That's awesome to hear, man. And another question, I guess, piggybacking off this, the coaching aspect of things, how has this uh, background as far as your education and all that goes, how has that actually transitioned into your personal coaching style? Are you now, have you, have you noticed some, some strengths, maybe some weaknesses even in, that you've, that you've uh, approached or not that you've approached, but that you've, uh, that you've maybe fixed or anything like that since then? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Unfortunately, I'm very aware of when I make mistakes when I'm coaching. Um, you know, there, there's a certain way that I like to try and carry myself as a coach, and that tends to try and be, you know, very, very stoic. You know, not too high, not too low, um, real even keeled. Try to try to analyze the game as it comes, and try and be a couple steps ahead, just like any good manager should be. You know, thinking about bullpen changes, thinking about substitutions, thinking about strategy. And what ends up happening is I'm such an ultra competitive person and I, I just get my emotions so wrapped up in the game and how it, how it comes that I, I find myself needing to employ some of the skills that I've you know, learned and taught, which is, you know, go to the breath, slow yourself down, slow your heart rate, get the emotions back in check, learn to focus on what matters, not what doesn't matter, what just happened already happened, get over it, get on to the next thing, you know, stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, 100%. Every single day I use what I, what I learn in, in coaching and in, and in life. And I want to stick to the coaching side of things. But before we move on from this, I want to make sure people understand. I just want to talk about, I guess, highlight some of the – ultimately what are some of the advantages gained, I guess, from the utilization of applied sports and exercise psychology? So it, it helps you become the best version of yourself. Um, let me pose you a hypothetical question. So. Mm-hmm. Say, say you're going to go have a, have a job interview and it's your dream job. You know, how do you feel beforehand? I've been through like 15 job interviews to get the job I finally get. So I, uh, I understand the, it took right. me a lot of uh, learning on the fly, but I feel like complete crap usually, complete nervous. And right. And so everyone's I tried a everything. Different. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> a little bit different. But I mean, common things are like, you, you notice the blood flow going to, your, going to your face. You get red in the face, you get red in the ears. Palms are sweaty, you know, you, you get the, the, the pounding chest, your stomach ties in the knots, you know, all, all that stuff. Knees weak are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah mom's spaghetti, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, what ends up happening is is people don't know how to handle that, and so things tend to consume them. Um, 
when you have these now really it's not like the stuff that i know is you know rocket science or anything like that it's it's all readily available information on the internet um you can find it yourself if you want but really a lot of the time um what happens is people succumb like i said people succumb to these these feelings of, of anxiety and and then say say it doesn't go well because you succumb to the, to the feelings of anxiety you know then all of a sudden there's guilt there's depression there's regret there's all of these feelings that come along with that and how do you deal with that right like what tools do you have how many tools do you have that you can deal with that yeah like trying to deal with uh you know like an o for 20 slump right. or something exactly. like that getting yourself out of that having the tools to get out of that and exactly. you, so and you I, mentioned, yeah. oh, sorry, I was going to say, you mentioned about, reading it online, but right. reading it online and applying it are two very different things. And that's Correct. a huge difference in what you offer as far right. as a light, almost like I said, a mental mental skills coach and a baseball coach. It's like, I don't know, I, I, I apologize for probably mishandling your uh, title there, but no. this is something that's something that you can teach people is how to apply it. Like you said, it's readily right. available, but, it's readily available. Yep. but putting it into actual, like, yeah application is a whole nother uh discussion yes and and the tough thing is that a lot of people aren't self-aware whatsoever about what goes on they just become consumed by this sort of wave of of emotions and thoughts and stuff that consume them during performances and really i think that for whoever's listening we need to redefine what a performance is right like athletes aren't the only ones who perform if, if you're a bank teller, you're a performer. You perform every single day. You put on a face and you, if you're a retail worker, you're a performer. You, you put on a face every day and you go and do it. You know, you're podcasting. This is totally a performance. Absolutely. A hundred percent. A lot you know, of editing I mean, that allows me to make it look way better than it actually is. So. Right. No, totally. Totally. That's a performance, right? Like, I like it. Though. It is. It is. And so how, how do you approach that? Right? Like, do you yeah. have a process with which you approach that? And is it consistent? Do you, do you follow, do you tweak it throughout time? Do you log what you do? Do you then sort of go back and look at what you did and then how it resulted and then try to find the disconnect between your process and the outcome? And, you know, these are sort of some of the things that we might do with athletes that then they, they learn the skills, you know, they get the tools and then they can take them into their everyday life and, and use that when they, you know, I, I mostly work with, you know, teenagers. So then they can take it into the job force and become more productive, hopefully, you know, men, women and workers of society. Gotcha. And um, before, again, we're not done talking to you, but we're going to kind of transition from yeah. this topic specifically is the, I see a website linked to your Twitter. Is that your personal? Um... That is mine. Yeah. So my, my business is called Align Sports Performance. Um, and so the link of my Twitter should be alignsportsperformance.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if anyone's curious exactly, you know, what I do a little bit, and they want a little bit more detail, they can go check that out. Uh, there should be a contact page. You can get in contact with me. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just want to make sure to plug it because again, Appreciate if people it, are yeah. if people are um, listening at this point, obviously you can find them at Coach underscore Riley R. Don't forget the R at the end, Corey. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of a backstory to that one. He just messed up a tweet. It's kind of funny now, but anyway, I guess it's more of an inside joke. Regardless, um, you can find them at Coach underscore Riley R. And that's alignsportsperformance.com. The link is in his Twitter bio, or you can just go there. Again, it kind of gives you a little bit of everything we just discussed, plus a way to reach out if you are genuinely curious about more, rather be questions, rather be uh, actually seeking the services. So that is uh, that is available to you. Yep, and I'm, I'm able to do remote consulting. You know, I can, you know, thanks to technology, I can reach anybody across the world. 
So. Perfect. And again, a lot of this stuff can be done face. This is what you want to call this, like face to face almost. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, screen to screen. There you go. That's a better way of putting it. <laughs> but I wanted to kind of talk about your coaching background and just yeah. in general. And let's apply that. Let's take that coaching background and even in this as well and apply this to just in general when you're watching the game of baseball. Mm-hmm. When you see a player struggling, when you do player evaluations for yourself, for fantasy, whatever, how does all this, like, all encompassing help you in that process? I've learned to look for particular things, I think. Um, so Corey knows this. You know, we, we've gone to, what, one or two games now together. Maybe two, but so he, he knows that when I go to games, I like to go and I'll, instead of watching what's going on necessarily at the plate, if I want to watch a certain player while they're running the bases, I'll watch exactly what they're doing when they're running the bases. If I want to watch a certain player on defense, I'll watch them on defense. You know, uh, it's funny. My, my fiance and I actually sit at games and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have her – guess what pitch is going to be thrown and then she'll do the same to me you know i i think we sort of just watch the game a little bit more interactively than than the casual fan does um and i'm just so intrigued by all the little things and i'm i like being able to go back after play had happened and sort of recap it and say oh man you know if he had just taken a little bit better of an angle at this ball this is a situation that we'd be in you know man if that pitch was just a little bit more off the black that would have been a broken bat instead of a double you know all these little things that maybe the casual fan doesn't really care about and i i'm just so intrigued by every single little detail about about how the game of baseball works and every single game i've ever seen in person I, i've learned something at or i've just one been absolutely in awe at how fast these guys play the game that's why i was interested definitely interested in having you on because i think the mental aspect is overlooked in fantasy baseball or in baseball in general people forget right. the intangibles people forget that there's a lot more going on than the numbers on the piece of paper show us i'm guilty of it i told Corey this on the last podcast we were on together that i have to get better at that and that's why i've ordered books i've reached out to a lot of people who know the game better than me and you know that's one thing is like i recognize my weakness and this is something i'm not familiar with so i'm very intrigued and the fact that you watch all those little nuances of the game now the average person's like i know me i'm i might be watching these days i'm watching more of the mechanics i'm doing like literally i tweeted today i'm looking i'm looking at batting stances and stuff like that and i'm starting to try to take what i learned from you guys as i speak to you like for instance, one thing I picked up was um just watching somebody. You could tell if they're comfortable or not in the box. If they're right. tighter than usual, you know the bats like you know for Ben Attendee's the guy I was looking at tonight. His Ooh. bat was just flowing in early in early stances last year and even this year his bat was just flowing. You could see my hands moving, yeah. but the people can't run. We're video chatting, and it's, it was just comfortable. You just feeling. It. <laughs> yeah. And then this year, you, you could tell me he's like he's, his bat's not moving as much. There's a little there's less uh, pre pre bat movement, so you can tell he's he's tightening up a little bit. His hands are a little in a little more, and he's just you can tell he's not as loose and not and he's just not in it. And that's kind of something I picked up more, just not just being a fan, but talking to people like you that has a coaching background that might have, and for you, it's a mental background. So it's like, now I'm going to ask you about body language because I'm sure there's a lot of body language that you might see that all of us might be missing out because we all know how to read body language, but do we really, you kind of, I feel like would have a better idea of how to sense that even in players that we don't like maybe see it. Right. Well, and I, I think the tough thing is that, well, I got a few things to say. First, uh, it. it's awesome. It's awesome. We looked into Ben and Tendi. Um, the year that I fleeced Corey with all those trades, my team name was actually the, my team name was actually the, the Chicken Ben and Tendies. Nice. Um, yeah, I love that guy, man. I loved watching him back at Arkansas. Um, second thing is another thing for you to maybe look for if you happen to go to a game is watch the guys in between pitches while they're at bat. You know, watch how consistent their routine is. Look to see if there's any intentionality behind it. Yeah, a lot of guys do the old batting gloves on, off, and then step right back in. But you'll you'll notice a lot of guys will take you know intentional breaths in between in between pitches. Um, they'll they'll maybe look off in the distance and find a focal point to release off that they had from the previous pitch. Little stuff like that. 
I, I think you can learn a lot about what people are doing when they're not actually in the heat and the action of the game. And tying that into the, to the uh, body language piece a little bit, I think it's so hard to make educated decisions on body language of players unless you really know the person. Um, everyone's body language is so different. Uh, I mean, obviously, everybody's got, you know, certain airs about them. You know, a, a couple of guys kind of come to mind. You know, Kimbrell's got very unique um, body language. Guys like Araldus Chapman have very unique body language. Um, Andrew Miller, very unique body language. Um, but really, the uniqueness of it makes it so difficult to evaluate, right? Because if you don't really know them and who they are as a person and what they look like at the highs and the lows and everything in between, then what are you basing your decisions off of? You know what I mean? Exactly. That is interesting. And I, I see that's another thing. I didn't even think to put a personal spin on it like that because I feel like a grand scheme of things that like you can see, like you said, there's people that have like the obvious ones, but then, I mean, there are, I mean, and then I guess if they're obvious, they're pretty obvious to everybody, but to know the nuances I'm asking you to point out, you wouldn't be able to point those out without knowing the person. That totally makes sense. Right. And what's one of those things too, especially at the major league, like if you go and watch a college game, it's so much easier to point out, especially like the level that Corey and I played at. I mean, it's high level baseball. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, guys get weeded out over the years and a lot of the people who get weeded out, they get weeded out because they've got poor mental skills or they're not, you know, as quite as advanced on it. Um, and really you, the guys you see in the major leagues, not only are there people, you know, they're also the, the, the cream of the crop. And so they have learned over the years, even the young guys, you know, I think, I think Acuna has got tremendous body language. I think Ozzy Albies has tremendous body language, but those guys over the years growing up have been in such high pressure situations that it sort of, sort of molds these people and, in, in the, you know, having the ability to, display powerful body language and it's it's part of the game really now are you i mean i feel like i can't say i have that eye for for player first this but well, i'm about to ask you but have you do you ever look at a guy approaching that bat stressful situation down in the count game winning run on base whatever and you just see the difference in like just overall tenseness and how they approach it maybe a guy that might carry a little more i guess for lack of a better term swag to the plate like somebody who just yeah. hits really well runs in scoring position or just um kind of takes in that moment and wants to make it their own have you ever like have you ever just looked you just look at players and be like you know what he's got this he's gonna get a hit here and sure enough they usually do type of thing is that something that's easier to easier than maybe i'm thinking to notice um i i think everyone's got that sort of skill inherent if they've watched enough baseball um and mm -hmm. I, I think it has a little bit more to do with sort of like the game flow than it does the individual person gotcha. um we, we all kind of know how the how the game of baseball works to this point and when people might be certain, you know, certain people might be due. Um, like you said, they, they might come up with a little bit of swag or you might just know like inherently like, Oh, this guy kills righties there. Oh, this guy <laughs> has ridiculous, you know, luck at SunTrust park or, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? There, there's certain little things that you might not think consciously, but you've, you've read about it at some point or you've watched it at enough point to give yourself enough cognitive bias to maybe make a prediction and maybe you're right about that. Gotcha. Now, as far as a coach goes, what do you look for? As far, take your coaching background, and when you look at players, is there anything that you'd look for in a player just in general, like as a, as a whole when you're looking at them, maybe if you're watching tape or something, like maybe specifically pitchers. I feel like pitchers have the most when it comes to their mechanics and all that. Yeah. And this, again, this is kind of a random question. This wasn't written down. This came to mind because I just know having a coaching background, there's a lot of things that go into coaching. Corey was talking about it. Corey was talking about it, and you played too. Is there any of that that has helped you from just play? You, like you said, you mentioned you've been really good at fantasy baseball and you're just a huge fan of the game. Is all that kind of helped you in, in all this, the whole process of it all? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I, like I said before, we started rolling. You know, I'm, I'm maybe a little bit more personal and in, in players that I that I pick than than I should be. Um, partially because I I watch guys play and I might watch them play, you know, three games or four games, but I like what I see and I'm like, well, that guy's on my short list now. You know, maybe it's mm-hmm. their their ability to come back after a huge swing and miss. Maybe it's their their ability to to look gritty and two strike counts. Maybe as a pitcher, it's like, what do they do the very first pitch after they give up an absolute tank? So I guess really the answer would be is like how how well do guys respond uh, in the face of adversity, and also how do they continue things rolling when they're when they're going hot? How well are they able to keep hot streaks alive? Yeah, Riley, and you saw in that tweet, um, you know, you you commented on my tweet the other day about no Mackenzie Gore slander on my feed and that's that so what what went on on that tweet was helio ramos um mackenzie gore two really good at bats got him to ground out to the right side first at bat and helio ramos um adjusted second at bat and took a low inside fastball absolutely yard left field um and helio ramos is one of those players that i've been noticing that has that confidence at the plate he's um he's able to make the adjustments later on um so yeah that's Yep, that's uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly where I was going with that, but that's, that's what that's something that we really look for in players. That's another is, video. He hit a tank off of a stud, and I mean, that's something that you look for, I'm sure, when you guys are evaluating prospects. It's like, you know, not only how good are they, but how good have they been against better competition, right? Right, the unhittable Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, dude, oh right. my God. absolute video game numbers on the guy. Like, he's got what, one fastball, slider, curveball? Is that four, maybe four pitches that are yeah. 60 grades, and then his command's like a 65 grade or something like that? He's like, all right. He's, he's, he's got some feel, yeah. Um, <laughs> but an, another point, you know, what I use in my background when I'm evaluating players, and maybe not evaluating, but sort of, you know, drawing up my short list when we go into draft season, is I really like, like guys who or like I talked about, you know, about Kevin Kuzminoff, you know, guys who really understand their own process and own their own process. So guys like Josh Donaldson, I'm all in on him this year and the twins. Um, I'm also all in on Trevor Bauer. Um, and, and it's really a couple of those guys are, you know, almost perfect storms where it's like they're in an awesome situation team wise. They're in an awesome situation coaching wise. They're surrounded by players, both younger and older, who are all extremely talented. And these are guys who, Watch. The Twins are going to be extremely good this year, and Josh Donaldson is going to have a huge part in it. He's going to mentor some of those younger hitters. And, I mean, obviously having Nelly around is going to be huge too. Having those two veteran guys on the squad, you know, mentoring the younger players is going to be insane. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big proponent of having a strong environment, um, being a big predictor to success. So huge in on the Reds and the, and the Reds pitching staff, Bauer, Di Sclafani, um, big Tony Disco guy, always have been. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. I have no idea how hard I'm it is not... to find somebody on my, on my, like on that with me, man. I'm, it is I'm, so I'm big difficult. On, big on Luis Castillo, obviously. I mean, if you don't know his changeup now, you've been living under a rock for the last two, two or three seasons. So I've, I've been being in the coaching community. My, my Twitter feed is entirely full of, especially in, during this quarantine time, like there's been so many free webinars that I've been able to hop on with really, really great minds. The twins have insane hitting coaches on their side, man, all the way up and down. Um, they, they do a lot of stuff with, you know, vision, timing, stuff like that, that I think a lot of clubs sort of miss. Uh, and then on the, on the red side, I mean, they've got Kyle Bodie over from driveline baseball, helping run some of their minor league stuff. And so he probably won't have a ton of, 
you know, feel with the major league staff, but you've got Derek Johnson for that. Derek Johnson's a stud. And like, if you, if you ask, you know, a bunch of gamers, a bunch of guys who've been around the league for a little while, who's one of the best pitching coaches in the league, you're going to get a bunch of Derek Johnson. So um, having Derek Johnson and then almost another coach in himself, Trevor Bauer on the Reds, I think that that staff is just going to get absolutely elevated out of the roof this year. I think they're the team to beat in the NL Central. And I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lay down that card early. I'm glad you said the Bauer coaching thing because I made like this, like I was talking to Nick Pollock. He has some name dropping, I guess. Oh. I was talking to Nick Pollock though on this podcast and I brought up Tony Disco's, uh, if you look at his first and second half splits, there was some, you know, there was intriguing signs. And, but the two things that really caught my mind were two pitches, not just his pitch mix changed, but the actual pitch movement change on the slider and knuckle curve. There was actual change, and with the change came more RPMs. Right. And what came to mind instantly was Trevor Bauer was there after the after the uh, Trevor Bauer showed up. Those changes happened. I'm wondering if Bauer went there, Tinker showed him how to like, hey, here, try these grips, because there's no, you know, and apparently there's an arm slot that Shelly Verstrade actually pointed that one out to me. I missed the, the arm slot change, but there was an arm slot change as well in the second half. So yeah. like, well, I guess I'm getting at is that um Bauer Bauer was the. Uh, Bauer was that that thought that came to mind was like knowing Bauer he tinkered with somebody else's stuff just because Bauer is known yeah. to tinker himself in and out of things so exactly like if you go back you know to when he was first in the major leagues back with Arizona I mean there's there's old you know YouTube videos of him and his and his dad talking about how they've been doing stuff since he was a, you know a young teenager as far as measurement and you know personal development developing pitches and stuff and as the technology's gotten better and better i mean he's just been able to sort of catapult himself to the roof um what did he have he had like a what did i put a note down and so in 2018 his swing and strike percentage jumped from about nine percent to about 13 percent and that's i mean four percent doesn't seem like a lot but if you know anything about swing strike percentage holy cow is that a huge jump it normalized a little bit 19 it went down to was it 12.2 um but i think realistically that's that's a level that he could totally sustain and he's a guy who in the off season he doesn't just kind of like lay low and train casually and like he gets after it he he does things that are, are incredibly beneficial for pitchers to do he throws a lot of live at bats every winter and so he's constantly competing and he's not only working on his pitches but he's putting them to the test against you know high level hitters maybe not always big league caliber hitters but definitely high level hitters um, and so I, I think that's really admirable and somebody who, like I said, owns his own process, knows what he, it takes for him to get better. Um, and he's, he's a guy who's smarter than anyone could possibly ever hope to be about his own ability. Yeah, he's a student of the craft, and it's crazy because he might be a, a head case. He might be a head uh, There's no might. He is. But, man, the guy knows baseball. And I, it's funny you mentioned that because remember I told you I was trying – I think I don't know if it was on, on since we started recording or not, but I mentioned trying to read up on more material and learn the game better from an aspect – from a way I've never really looked at it. And Alex Fast actually um, – he I reached out to him, and he just – he suggested Bauer's videos on YouTube because yeah. apparently it is a really good YouTube series if you're not familiar – breaking down i guess his like i guess his uh how he does things and all that mm-hmm. i have to again you're you sound familiar i'm not and i'm not surprised i should be i shouldn't be surprised because i know he's super into that stuff so i really am looking forward to actually getting my eyes on that because that's something i feel like i'm weak in like i know my weaknesses again but i find it so intriguing because i went from fan to fantasy baseball analyst to now i'm just a fan of the game and the, the stuff that i've never really had a chance to put my hands on and be a part of so now it's like if, if i if i didn't have kids i'd be going to like the driveline camps and learning how to like be like that would be my passion like if, 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 I, if I was a little younger didn't wasn't married with kids <laughs> it's a lot of ifs but my point is if i had this i wish i almost wish i had this passion for this 
because this would be my new thing to go after. I was, I was talking to Joe Drake actually, because he just did the Driveline uh, Academy, I think. And he was like, I remember, his, and he posted it. So he's the guy who put me in, um, who I talked to today about the books and stuff. And great dude, well worth a follow as well. But he's um he's going through all that stuff right now. He's reading books. He's he wants to work in player development. And a little spoiler, I guess he's one of the guys I'm getting on a future podcast. And I'll get. I told you I find this stuff so intriguing. I'm planning on talking to that about. I'm talking with him about that. I just I'm finding myself so intrigued with this game of baseball, but more than I've ever been before. And I'm hoping that the fantasy community can embrace that because if you want to be a better fantasy player, being a being a better you know scout of the game and a better fan of the game will make you a better player too. So, although this isn't so fantasy focused today, and some podcasts might not be coming up, I think ultimately if you're into this stuff, you people like you, Corey. Joe are going to be really good resources to kind of make you better if you want to jump into that side of things as far as just learning the game more. I know people just want answers. People just come to you like, oh, I want to know who to add and drop. I'm cool with that. I'll give you that too. But this, I feel like this is really invaluable. This is like the intangibles of fantasy analysts. (laughs) This is the intangibles of being an analyst. This stuff isn't taught. This stuff, you got to kind of go out and, it is taught. I mean, this stuff isn't natural. You got to go out and go out of your way to really learn it. And I appreciate guys like you taking your time to come on here and really discussing this stuff. So thank you very much for joining us. But you're not done yet, I don't think. Yeah. One one other thing that people might think about doing if they're really looking at taking a deep dive that most people don't take. Um, Say, for example, you you got something like Trevor Bauer moving to Cincinnati last year. Um, If you think that might be a good place for him to stick, you might go and look at who the new pitching coach is. If you are able to look up, okay, let's look up Derek Johnson. Let's look and see what he's all about. Start reading about the coaches because, like I said, man, it's all about the – I think that players really thrive in the environment that's right for them. I think that very few players are able to survive and thrive in situations that are not right for them. And if they do, it's often relatively short-lived. Um and so if, if you're able to take the deep dive into like the like there's the names are readily available you just have to go to the team's websites and look and see who their coaches are at different levels they might not exactly describe what their you know their roles are at these teams but you might be able to go and look up these kind of people and get a better idea for what you know what they might be about philosophy wise um and that's just one more level that i don't think a lot of people take I was going to ask about that, and both of you, Corey as well, because you guys are both kind of have this background. And really, it's, again, very intriguing to me. I guess we'll start with Corey because I feel bad. I haven't really had him talk a lot on this podcast. Sorry, buddy. Um, That's okay. I'm, as far as coaches go, obviously you guys have your ideas as far as – I'm going to ask you both if you have favorite coaches. I think I've already touched on Riley's favorite coach already. But in general, though, like – how much do you like do you know where to find this information like i honestly wouldn't even know where to start to just google the name do you go look for like player interviews like how would you guys go about it maybe Corey, i don't know if you've done this before do you have a favorite coach do you have a process of going and looking at what coaches specialize in in general as far as when it comes to their players and what, what they like to do all right on that note we're gonna go ahead and take a brief break and we'll be right back with you after a word from our sponsors with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we're back. Yeah, I've done a little bit less, I would say, than Riley, um, him just being a little bit more involved on the coaching side of things. But I would say, you know, looking into um, looking into coaches like, uh, uh, what's his name, Mike Maddox, 
um, you know, longtime pitching coach. He's been all around the entire MLB. He's been with the Brewers. I think he's been with the Cubs. Uh, Mike Maddox is the man. And he's he's been able to bring, you know, a lot of starting rotations, a lot of bullpens up from, you know, almost nothing. Um, changing pitchers, changing the philosophy behind, you know, delivery points, pitch mix, all of that good stuff, the philosophical changes, the tangible changes that it takes to take the next step at the major league level. And Mike Maddox is one of those guys who has done that. Um, for a very long time. And the guy that Riley mentioned, Kyle Bodie, um, you know, I've just, you know, completely uh, buying into the technological um, side of, of measuring, you know, baseball performance now, um, using the new technology to our advantage to measure things that we've never been able to measure or visualize, um, you know, in the past. And so being able um, to me, one of the most important things is being a coach, is being able to optimize the talents of each player that you have right to build the, the optimal team. And so Riley has done that um, at the high schools that he's coached at and he's been able to take team from the bottom all the way to the top. And that's exactly how you do that. And um, yeah, so, so player optimization and Riley, if you want to touch on a guy real quick, we were talking about before uh, Brandon Bailey, a Broomfield high school guy, Westminster, Colorado, he kind of defies what you would look for in a projectable pitching prospect. He's 5'10". I believe he's very short. Um, he has a lot of natural run on his fastball, um, 60 grade changeup, really good uh, feel for command and for pitchability. So I want to hear a little bit what you know about him. Cause I know he trains at the same facility you've been at. Yeah. So another facility that I'd like to shout out is uh, fast baseball development, which is up in North Denver. Um, they, they let me come and, you know, run some hitting lessons and some camps for them uh, over the course of the last year and a half or so. Um, and when I was there, you know, they, they'd have live at bats occasionally, you know, over over winter break when they have college and, and pro guys um, back. And one of the guys that I got to see pitch maybe once or twice is Brandon Bailey. And it's there's something about the somewhat shorter guy with a high velocity, high spin efficiency fastball that just jumps off the tape. You know what I mean? Like when you see him pitch, like having someone who's who's and I've heard Kyle Body Kyle Body talk about this a lot. You know, if you're you're five ten or shorter. Um, I think maybe Josh James is another good example. Is I, I might be mis mistaking his height, but um, yeah, you know another guy who who has a ridiculously high spin rate, really good spin efficiency, and a little bit mm -hmm. shorter. It really accentuates that the ride on that fastball and almost mm -hmm. you know gives it a, a much tougher effect to to hit against. Yeah, and Craig Kimbrell, I guess, could be one of those guys too. Maybe not the highest spin efficiency, but one of the shorter examples who gets that decent amount of ride on his fastball maybe not anymore but he used to be he used to be the guy right but i mean if, well, if you're if you're looking at fantasy stuff and you're diving deep into prospects and and you're quick to write off a guy who who is five seven five eight five nine you know even if he only throws 88 or 89 or even 90 91 think again man because you have to know a lot of other factors to make an informed decision on a guy like that in my opinion yeah stroman stroman's a short guy that throws you know a little he's, less he's, Yep. Yeah, he's, he's definitely kind of a now correct me if I'm wrong, he's more of a two seam sinker kind of guy, right? I was just thinking fitting the uh height. The, yeah, you're talking about. he's like he's like six foot, six foot one. Well, he's short, like, yeah. yeah. He's short in terms of pitcher pitching prospects and pitchers. Right. So that's why he was the one that came to mind. Maybe not the same mix, but you get my point, yeah, like you definitely. can't just ignore the shorter guy necessarily. Right. But no. how do you go about Corey, I'm gonna touch back real quick on this, is how do you go about learning all this stuff about a coach? Because somebody like me, I don't I don't have the best knowledge of knowing coaching staffs. Like I'm trying to get better at that. So what is a way to go about doing that? 
as much research as you can possibly do. I mean, it's just, yeah, you got to, um, honestly, like baseball reference is one of the best, um, websites in existence for many, many reasons. Um, I love using baseball reference. I want to know something about a guy's career. I want to know something about his coaching career. There's a whole coaching tab in there. Um, Baseball reference is honestly my go-to, and I, I don't look much further than there. There's some older, you know, there's some MLB resources that you can use that they still publish on on coaches. You, you just search, you got to search for articles. You got to search for testimonials, and you got to look for the players that have obviously succeeded the most over time, right? Look who was coaching those players and look into those coaches. They might have some unique philosophies to, to donate to, to the game. I would say it's probably getting easier. Like the more, like the intensive driveline protégés that you've seen at the the major league and minor league level, it's going to become a lot easier over the next few years to to find out more about those coaches. Because if you if you've worked at driveline, odds are you've published something that's on the internet about baseball, and so that's going to give people a pretty good idea about that that person's you know philosophy and sort of what their expertise is in. Whether it's whether it's you know what's his name, Matt Daniels with the Giants, or or maybe Jason Ochart with the Phillies. You know they both. Both of those guys have, have enough stuff out there that you can go check them out um, and you can kind of see what they're about. Just, you know, YouTube, there's podcasts, there's there's all sorts of stuff you can look up. But a lot of people that are coaches at the big league or not the minor league levels, they won't necessarily have a Twitter, or Facebook, Instagram, no nothing. You, you know, there's no trace of them on the Internet. So when that happens, you just kind of move on to the next one. And what is your preference as far as player evaluation? Do you prefer to watch an MLB game, a minor league game? Is there pros and cons to both? I guess you would say a little more to probably a little more to look for because most major league guys. I'm just thinking now, top man. Most major league guys are in the majors for a reason. Minor league guys might be more fun to watch because there's a lot more of like, wow, well, maybe if you just made this tweak or maybe if you, you know what I mean, like there's a little more. I guess there's a little bit to both sides of it. But enough of me rambling. What's your preference? I, I like it all, man. I, I I think it really depends on. What, where you're at as far as your, your teams. Um, you know, if you're in a dynasty, obviously it might make a little bit more sense to, to watch some minor league guys that are a little bit, you know, if you're if you're down in the dumps as far as league standings, it might make sense to watch some of these guys in double A that are, that are tearing it up. Whereas if you're in kind of win now mode, it might be a better idea to, to maybe, you know, scout, you know, some of those major league guys that you might be able to consolidate and trade for. Um, it, it just really depends on, on where you're at as far as your league and league standings and all that kind of stuff. I got you. I see a smile on Corey's face, so now I'm wondering what that I wasn't, is. I wasn't taking a jab at Corey, I swear, but <laughs> no, Corey's definitely like he he resurrected his team out of out of the pit of. I I think I have somewhat resurrected it. You want to hear my system real quick? I have Luis Robert in the outfield, Matt Manning. I got Forrest Whitley. I have Wander Franco, and I have Casey Mize. So I don't know where y'all have been, but that's where I'm at. I mean, I've got I've got Adley Rushman. Michelle Baez, Royce Lewis, Mackenzie Gore, and, and then an empty spot. Wait well, now I just have to add Helio Ramos, and you, okay, I top you. Him, you get him and Austin O'Neill Cruz. How's that? <laughs> I'm just, no. Ooh, I'll take <laughs> Can't take him. Oh, I took him in the MLB Remix League. <laughs> I know. I saw that. I was, like, I was like, son of a gun, man. He'll like Miller Park. A little bit. So I, I got to ask you about – I'm sorry about a little tangent, but do you think O'Neill's Cruz sticks at shortstop or do you think he slides no. over to third? I think he's he slides big. over to third base. But he is extremely athletic for his height. He can play. Like, it, he, he his defense him. plays. Yeah. Like, it's it's scary, honestly. I think he's got, like, a 70 or an 80 arm, doesn't he? It's like Fran Mil Reyes playing shortstop, and it's <laughs> it's it's magnificent. I think it's, last time I looked, he was, like, 6'7", 6'8", like, a, 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 a soaking wet or something like that. 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I think as he bulks up, I think he'll slide over. But... He's intriguing. Yeah. But they've got, just, they've there's got so Cabrian much raw Hayes potential too, there. Right? So much raw potential. Exactly. And that's Brian where. He's more of a defensive guy, I think. Yeah. And he's, he's a corner guy, right? He is the corner guy. I think yeah, he's going to so... be the third baseman. So I think that sort of convolutes things as far as that. It does. <laughs> put him in the outfield. Universal DH, DH him. No, I'm just kidding. He's got a cannon. He needs yeah. to be put in the field. He's just that, like he, Mitch Moreland. That big frame, though, man. That big frame. It's gonna have. It's gonna be like Judge. He's just gonna have so many holes. That's true. Space. He needs to end up in the AL, ultimately. But yeah. Anyway. Who knows if that'll end up? On there, but, yeah, yeah, I love talking fantasy. But yeah, so I guess before I let you go, just a couple names you mentioned, like Donaldson, Bauer. Are there a couple other names that guys that you just like everything about them, their process, and all that good stuff. Total homer pick, uh, but David Dahl. Um, I think that he's. I've never he, seen him play a game. He's always on the IL. I mean, I know. So, so big, big caveat, obviously. You know, if if he can play more than 120 games in a year, um, but yeah. I think that one thing that people overlook is he's 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 got more speed than people realize. You know, mm-hmm. he stole what was it? It was 22 bases in Double A in 2015, 23 bases across three levels in 2016, and then the injury bug really hit. And a lot of the stuff is kind of you know, freak injuries like intercostal strains. He ruptured his spleen one year. That cost him almost an entire season. But, I mean, he's a guy who could hit, I think, you know, 310, 315. We're talking 30 home runs. We're talking, I mean, depending, they're talking about putting him in the, in the leadoff role this year or whenever we resume. And so that could, you know, kind of cut his RBIs. But, you know, with the guys behind him, he could have pretty pretty productive amount of stolen bases and, and runs scored. So if you're in a, in a league that, you know, counting stats matter, I think David Dahl's a guy to, to – pay for you know what i mean go go over the go over the adp and pick him early because i think if he stays healthy he's going to be a stud absolute stud now Corey, uh do you have any he mentioned donaldson he mentioned um bauer castillo obviously i feel like no, no one's really having a problem with castillo and donald's said donaldson and doll is there anything you want to give feedback wise Corey? here's your chance to take a shot at your buddy <laughs> do you have anything negative to say about any of these guys uh, no, honestly, I don't. Health is the only negative thing that I have to say about David Dahl. And but and yeah, mostly and most other things is yeah how Colorado handles their current you know their prospect situations. So Dahl should be much farther along from where he is right now. Health has absolutely hindered that, but there have been other things. It's just a, it's been a he he deserves a year of of great success. Plus, he's he's only twenty six, man. Mm-hmm. And, and taking a little bit deeper dive on him, I mean, I know he, when he's in Arizona, which was where he lives full time, you know, he trains with a guy named Trent Otis, um, Zona Baseball Academy, and man, that guy knows his stuff. And and they has they have such a a unique and tried and true process that works for him really well. Um, and and I, I think that I mean he hits velocity better than anybody, and I think he he knows that. And I think that he's so finally, you know, for a 26 year old, especially, he knows so much about himself as a player. Um, but I, I think that he's only going to continue to get better and better. Dude, 26 years old. If he can stay healthy, I think the next three years for him, all star caliber or better for sure. I'm not doubting the skills either. Everything yeah. seems to be legit. It's just, again, it really is just health. But right. now I got to ask you, as this will be the last thing now. I've been saying that there's more than one. This is actually one of the last things I talk about is because um, I could talk to, again, I could talk about this stuff all night, but it's getting late. Um, you just, you, you're from Colorado. You live there, right? You live in the area. 
what do you think about Colorado hitters if they have to play outside of Colorado this year? Because I actually am pretty optimistic for, but I'll, I'll get to that in a moment. I'm gonna let Riley discuss it. I'll let Corey touch on it, then I'll finish with my thoughts. So, are are you referring to like if they have some sort of modified league where mm-hmm. the entire league is outside of Colorado? Yeah, the proposed realignment yeah. currently. I, I, I think Which, things will be okay. Obviously, they'll they'll suffer a little bit in the batting average department and a little bit in the slugging department and consequently the OPS department. But it's one of those things where it's really an unknown. I keep reading these things that, you know, there's a lot of major leaguers who are going to opt to not participate if that is the case of the league. So what's, what's the quality of pitching they're going to face? I also think the other thing is that if there is that division realignment that I've seen proposed, um, which, I mean, is equal parts cool and goofy um, <laughs> that there's going to be a little bit less familiarity that the guys have with pitchers but yeah as far as the Rockies go I, I think that you know it's there's too many unknown factors to know I know that they won't benefit from hitting at Coors but they also won't suffer from the Coors hangover when they go on the road Corey you want to give your thoughts I know you probably I know you have on the on turn two podcast but not everybody listens to that podcast because mine's better no uh, <laughs> in all seriousness though uh Matt and you guys, you guys do a great job over there. But uh, in all seriousness, though, uh, what are your thoughts on cores and specifically cores? We won't go into every team right now. Uh, yeah, I don't. Rockies. <laughs> yeah, no, I think um, I, I'm right along the lines with Riley. I think that they're hitting. You know, they don't really suffer too much. They're just, they're going to suffer in some some counting cat like some categories there. But um, Charlie Blackman that really comes to my mind, uh, who's really going to suffer the most. Um, the dimensions, especially at the, the spring training facility or the park that uh, the Rockies play at, um, it kind of shifts. Like they've got a deep pocket out in um, left center, naturally, in cores, and now they have a deeper pocket out in right center. So Blackman being a left-handed uh, hitter, he's going to have to hit the ball harder. He's going to have to hit it further. He's going to have to play better defense in right field. So if there's a universal DH, Blackman likely or David Murphy will end up in that universal DH role because um, there's a defensive liability. I hear you on that. Now, here's the reason why I'm a little <laughs> more optimistic than your average person for this one. You mentioned the no course handover. I think that's a way bigger deal than most people want to say, realize because everybody will tell you or every hitter there will tell you that it takes them a few days to kind of get in a routine, getting the seeing the ball. The ball moves differently. Everything moves differently. If you're playing in one place the whole time, that's already very hitter friendly as it is, like especially with Arizona or Texas. Arizona or Texas, the, the air is going to be thin. It's going to be hot. The ball is going to fly. There's no doubting that. Florida, now we're talking about the, the type of thing we don't want to see. But so you have you don't have the home road splits because there are there's no home road. It's strictly road splits. So people might think that again they might just see the road splits and get scared off. I think there's going to be an adjustment there. I think they would be kind of fine, especially considering they're probably more likely going to be playing again outdoors. With that said. They also don't have to play on the road at San Diego, in L.A., in San Fran. Fran. (laughs) Like, they just lost the three. Yeah, I'm saying, yes. uh, Uh, Dodgers, Padres, and Giants came to mind instantly. Chase is still Chase, but whatever. Those three specifically, they don't have to play there anymore. So right there, they get a boost already on those away parks. So I think there's give and take. Ultimately, I don't see – I'm not bumping them down too much. Don't get me wrong. Arenado was already a fringe first-rounder slash early second-round guy for me. Sure, he might fall to the mid-second closer to a Freeman, but some people, you're going to see people dropping him into, like, the third round, thinking he's going to be complete trash. And stuff like that, I'm like, I just I, – it's a small – for me, it's a very small bump, but it's because I think they gain just as much from this move than they lose from cores almost. Like, it almost counteracts – Obviously, there's no making up what Coors offers, but I think this is the closest thing that could, especially, again, playing all their games in one area with such 
such good atmosphere for them to be hitting in. Right. So. Well, and let's let's not discount the psychological the psychological aspect of one. You know, you don't have to travel across the country. You don't have to fly from New York back to San Diego. You know what I mean? There's there's maybe those crappy bus rides around Phoenix and you know in the middle of the summer, which might suck a little bit. But you know, you the AC is gonna go out a few times too. You just know it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, I mean, let's let's not let's not discount the, the psychological aspect of not having that normal routine that a lot of these big league bats are used to. Right? It's gonna be like extended spring training and it's going to be potentially even more of a mental grind than, than they've gone through in the past. It's just in different ways. That's true. You're right. I didn't think about that. What about them not being able to see their families on a regular basis because they're quarantined right. in their own area? Exactly. There's going to be a lot of um, – and like you said, a lot of these places are playing at or minor league play, uh, stadiums or whatever, and we all know how well those are taken care of. So right. yeah, it might not well, be the I, best – something to keep in mind too is that like these are these are all human beings you know and subjecting them to a higher injury risk just to just to put on some charade of a of a season i i think is kind of backwards to be honest there's going to be i mean if you a lot of guys are obviously staying in shape keeping throwing and but there's going to be a pretty quick on-ramp period for a lot of these pitchers and to be honest a lot of these position players you know being stuck around the house all the time uh, I, I think we can't discount the, the potential chance for injury that there is for a lot of guys. And 100% I, I think agree. that really sucks. I 100% agree about that. But, again, that's like literally its own podcast. So if you want to come back on and talk yes. about that, we can figure that one out. But, uh, honestly, man, I appreciate you guys joining me. You can find us all on Twitter. Corey is at corey 5 Riley, you can let yourself out, man. Tell them where they can find you. Because, no, because I want you to plug your Twitter, your site, everything. that Again, what you do, what you offer. You, I appreciate your time. I want to make sure people have the, the right way to access you if they are interested. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, yeah, so my, my business is called Align Sports Performance. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Coach Riley underscore R, I believe. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at Align Sports Performance. Um, with the quarantine, I've had a lot of time to get some content compiled, and I'll be posting a ton of good mental, mental skills, mental game stuff, uh, a lot of baseball-related stuff on my Instagram. So go ahead and follow me there. Again, it's just Align Sports Performance, all one word. Um, check out my website at Align Sports Performance. You can, you can find out a little bit more about what I do. And, and you know, Mike, if there's, if there's people that seem pretty interested in learning a little bit more about what it is that I do, maybe we could do, you know, a couple little – Know, mini podcast, couple you know, 10, 15 minute segments for you to have some content to put out, and then I can sort of educate the masses a little bit as far as certain mental skills and how they relate to the game of baseball. I will never argue with something like that because I told you this has been this has been intriguing the whole t- the whole time for me. I've loved every bit of this. Yeah, but again, we, just we barely scratched the surface. That's yeah, for sure. Oh, I'm sure. That's why I knew an hour wasn't going to do us justice, but an hour is pretty much the max people that w- want from a podcast. So we kept it there, like I said. Agreed. So I, I truly appreciate your time, man. Again. You can follow. Uh, I guess you can follow everything on Twitter. Uh, you mentioned I mentioned Corey. Riley introduced himself. I'm Mike. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curlin. Bases loaded can be found at Bases Loaded FBN. Network is BasesLoadedNetwork.com. All that good stuff. Please drop us a five star rating and review. Greatly appreciate it. But until then, guys, you might see us again. You might not. I don't know what's going on, man. We're just trying to enjoy, try, trying to enjoy the company, enjoy what's going on. And um, as always, we'll just talk to you soon. <laughs>